0: Thank you for tuning in to the Educational Leadership Podcast. We are meeting with educational leaders from around the great state of Texas. Hear their stories and gain insights into educational leadership. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining another episode of the Educational Leadership Podcast. I have a little bit of a cold, so hopefully it doesn't throw off the audio too much, but anyways we have a very special guest another very special guest guest but before we get to our guests want to welcome our co-host corinne french
1: hey i'm very excited about today this is one of my favorite trustees from a local district so we're, we're getting up in my neck of the woods now we we're doing lots down in your area and so i'm excited to have our guest today
0: yes trustee and friend and just uh, an amazing human being um but I will not take his thunder. Charles Stafford, trustee, Ditton ISD. How you doing today, Charles? I'm doing really well. Thank you. Um, I've, I'm a fan of your
2: podcast. I think this is really neat what you guys do. You've had some very interesting and engaging people on, and I've, I like the idea of it being a faith-based uh, business that you're in, and I would take the opportunity, if you guys are okay with it, for a five-second moment of silences, and we can say a few words to the Lord about Ukraine. Is that okay? That sounds great. Let's go. Thanks. I appreciate that. So the primaries are over, and we're gearing up for city and school elections and I had some thoughts that I, I think might be useful to talk about running for office. Uh, I remember back in 1988, when I was first thinking about running for school board, I, was, I made a list of people in town that were leaders and I was gonna go ask their opinion about my candidacy. And the first person I went to was this old country lawyer who's, I said, what do you, Phil, what do you think about my running for school board? And he, he, hit, he hit me right between the eyes with, I think it's a wonderful opportunity for service. And I was not expecting that. And it made me really stop and think about appropriately. Because I was young, and I had kids, and I had opinions, and I was going to go in there and fix <laughs> stuff and lead change and the charge. And it was more about me than it was about service. And it's a really great idea to center yourself around the concept of being a servant leader uh, it works well I can tell you from experience
1: um tell us your experience tell us because I you, you went right into servant leadership and but tell us a little okay. tell us yeah
2: yeah well my biography is it can be fairly brief I, I grew up in Lubbock I went to University of Texas I moved to Denton County in 1979 I adopted four kids that were all sexually abused and through that experience, I came to realize that I might have something to contribute to the school system. I learned a long time ago working in politics that if you want to, if you want to influence the system, it's useful to be a part of the system. So I ran for office, and lo and behold, I got elected. Um, I have served as uh, in, in a public service arena. I uh, I was the founding board chair of the uh, Children's Advocacy Center of Denton County. I was the founding board president of the Public Education Foundation for Denton ISD. Um, I serve on several boards now. I serve as a as a board member of the Mexican American School Board Association, which is truly a wonderful organization. You've had Willie Tenorio on your on your podcast. He's, mm-hmm. He's a class act. He's, uh, uh, he's, he's exemplary. Uh, I have served. I do serve on the board of the Communities and Schools of Fort Texas, which is a dropout prevention program, and it it's uh, it's wonderful. It's one of the greatest uses of leveraging federal dollars through volunteers and kids who have a mentor through CIS. Literally, promote to the next grade ninety nine percent of the time. Wow. You, you carry a kid all the way through, it, it fixes the dropout problem, and it's uh, really proud of that work. Uh, that that organization, the North Texas chapter of which I'm a board member, is so well run that we were selected here in the last month or so from uh, McKinsey Scott, who is former business Jeff Bezos, who has about... $90 billion to give away. She gave us $3 million, unrestricted. You guys know what you're doing. I'm not going to tell you how to use the money.
1: Congratulations.
2: Uh, so it was really it was a, a great experience to, to be honored in that way. Um, so I've served on the school board for, uh, well, since 88. I took about nine years off in the middle of all that. But I've had about 25 years on the board. Um, wow. I, I have been, as far as personal experience, I served on the board of TASB. I served as TASB's president in the officer rotation for about six years. Um, TASB is one of the finest organizations around. And TASB does a great deal to support school districts, to support individual board members as far as um, training and uh, Getting acclimated and learning how to work with the group, uh, it's TESB is very, very valuable. Tesby provides a lot of services to school districts. It's a nonprofit, so Tesby does uh, has a risk management uh, apparatus. It also has a, a purchasing co-op that is closing in on two billion dollars of sales a year, and it's it's remarkable. Uh, they've established low bid prices for commodities, everything from pencils to school buses. Mm-hmm. But what's cool is South Texas ISD can buy one school bus for the same low price. The Houston buys 40 through this purchasing co-op. And the TASB takes a 4% premium off the top. And that money goes to pay for TASB programs like the free legal hotline that people call
1: it and use.
2: Anyway, I... Uh,
1: Uh, Tell us about, I have a question about the day you became TASB president, I was there in the audience, that's at TASA TASB, right? And um, what was it like to have your district performing? Because that's, and for our guests that don't know, I mean, TASB is Texas Association of Schools, TASA Texas Association of uh, School Administrators, and at that general convention, the TASB, new TASB president's district gets to do what? Tell us about that
2: really a a good story um we as the president-elect or the newly installed i got to uh or i was responsible my district was responsible for um providing the entertainment for the general assembly several thousand school board members in the room and our kids got up there and they we have a remarkable fine arts program it's it's smashing how good these kids are. We have middle school jazz band that's as good or better than most high school jazz bands. We had choirs. We had all ages of choirs. We had little bitty kids and high school seniors. We had um, the silks, the Cirque du Soleil silk thing. We had kids climbing silks and doing acrobatics. They were performing music. They had, they had a script. It was twenty was 20 minutes of remarkable talent on display mm-hmm. and by the time they finished um, I was pretty choked up <coughs> in fact uh, I remember saying this is what public education or public school properly funded can do mm-hmm. and we are the 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 auditorium was just riveted mm-hmm. and those folks stood on their feet and yelled for those kids for minutes.
1: <laughs> when we air this podcast, we might have to, to to air that also, put that next to it on the on our social media. It, it, it I was would, impressive.
2: I, it really It's be. impressive.
1: So it's you said it. something earlier that I want to ask a question I, about um, like servant leadership and what that looks like. And when we're running for office, it feels one way. And then when we become part of a team, it's another. Can you talk about that transition a little?
2: I will. Um, people have to understand or need to understand that uh, as an elected board member, you have no authority and no power. The only authority that you have is as part of the board. The board has the authority to hire and evaluate fire superintendent. The board has the authority to set a budget. The board has the authority to to set policy. Um, our other job is to hire the superintendent, who does everything else. And it's uh, it's difficult for people to grasp the concept of alone. I have no effect. As a part of a group, I'm a governing. I am the governance body, and Tasmi has some really neat programs and and ways for people to uh, figure that out. Uh, But a high-performing board is a board where all, all all seven board members and the superintendent, which we refer to as the team of eight, work together collaboratively. And you don't have to agree with each other all the time you just have to understand that once the board makes a decision, that you all need to get on board and support the decision of the majority. Don't try to sabotage or undermine or keep, keep bringing it back up for another vote. It's, it's settled. It's done. Um, work together. And there, like I said, there are so many templates for how to do great collaborative work. Um, one of the things that our district has done, and I'm really, really proud of this, is we, when it comes to advocacy, and that's something else that school boards need to do, which is in, get involved with uh, uh, your community, with the Chamber of Commerce. In Denton, in, in we we're, we're involved with the Chamber, we're involved with a couple of public universities, we're involved with our, our uh, city council, our county commissioners, and we try to collaboratively meet with all of them and have uh, adopt the same advocacy agenda and at least, at the very least, understand everybody else's agenda. And the way it's been working for us the last several cycles of the legislature is we have teams made up of people, city council person, a school board person, somebody from UNT, somebody from United Way, and we, we all go to visit a particular legislative office as a group and we represent each other. We, we support each other. It's pretty remarkable the response mm-hmm. you get for some of these uh, state house representatives and senators because they're not accustomed to the school district and the city being partners. Mm-hmm. Typically I'm wanting to
1: start that. I'm wanting to do more of that as Valley View grows. So we'll have to look to how Denton does that. It's, um, yes. we, yeah, because we're, we're so small compared to y'all. But the, your, some of your growth is coming our way. Um, yeah,
0: so Charles, kind of back to just to back up a little bit. So mm-hmm. when we first started this interview, you had mentioned that when you became a board member, you you had some, uh, some ideas that you wanted to, to influence and that sort of thing when we got on the board. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sure there's a lot of people out there, obviously in, in today's times, there's uh, differing views on a lot of different subjects, whether that be books in the library or masks. What's the best approach if you get on a board to, to for change to happen, you know, it, it, instead of you know, continuing to go down one direction. If you're new to a board, can can you drive change?
2: You can certainly be part of the conversation. And one of the one of the things that people learn, or maybe they already know, is how to how to be respectful, to listen to one another. To exchange ideas, and if it comes down to a particular vote on a particular subject, then there may be there may be differences of opinion. Um, I have recently seen a board where most of the board members want that they're in growth mode. There's a piece of property they need. The discussion was whether or not to invoke uh, uh, condemnation authority. And one board member felt really strongly against that. Didn't want to take somebody's property unless they voluntarily gave it up. Everybody else is going. You know, the, they asked for five times what it's worth. We're not paying that. But it would be irresponsible. So they they they're going to have a vote. <clears throat> I predict that the vote, the outcome of the vote, is to invoke uh, condemnation and there will be probably a six to one vote to do it. And once that vote is had, it's done, it's over, and everybody supports the board's decision. You don't keep bringing it back. As far as everybody, everybody brings change. Um, One of the most wonderful things about the conferences that we got to, the Summer Leadership uh, Conference, the State Convention, National School Board Association, you go to these conferences and you you hear what other people are doing. People basically showcase their best practices. And as a as a baby board member, I didn't have a clue about most of that stuff. I thought I had a clue about some stuff, but the truth was, you go to a you go to a, a conference like that. I remember coming back from a conference 25 years ago and saying, you know, if we got smarter about how we build these these. Uh, schools would save a whole bunch of money in electricity. They're doing it in other states, in other places. Uh, Let's get smarter about how we conserve energy. And the idea came back, it got got discussed around by the board. And ultimately uh, we made several changes as a group to hire uh, an energy advisor who showed us how to save a lot of money. That was really a great move and to change how we design buildings and we're still doing that we're still we're still looking to improve every building we build is more efficient than the last one we built and it's so you you you're there's a constant stream if you're if you're willing to put yourself out there and do the hard work there's a constant stream of things that might work for your community that might not but but you bring it in you have professionals you have a superintendent you have curriculum specialists uh you have people who who are trained to evaluate this stuff uh superintendent one of superintendent's lines that i love a lot is in god we trust all others show me your data <laughs> which is how we need to be uh, <laughs> we we don't need to be opinion driven we need to be data driven and in my district that's Really, how it how it is, uh, but hope that answers your question.
0: Yeah, yeah, it definitely did, and um, so there is opportunity there, and I like the data driven approach. I mean, there's so much data available to make objective decisions, um, so that that makes great sense. I know we're running a little bit short on time. Corinne, did you want to ask a question?
1: I do. I would. I always wish our our podcast could be longer, but um, I do. I want. Charles, you know, people are running for re-election. Lots of work. We've talked about that. People are running for all kinds of offices right now. What are some of your best tips to keep a campaign uh, positive, to be proud of a campaign, um, but also to keep getting the message out there, What maybe prior experience? um, Just some of your best tips for those of us who are still learning.
2: Anybody who's been involved in their community needs to be sure that they make it clear about the volunteer service they've done. My, my example of, of myself is I was very active in Boy Scouts for about a decade. I, I did this all this charity work, founding charities. Those were things that I did that were from the heart. I wasn't doing them for political reasons. But serving on district committees, serving on a bond committee is really, really important. For somebody to come out of left field and say, hey, I'm I'm going to come in here and make an impact if they've been doing, like followed the example of a Mia Price. Mia served on the PTA board. She served on the bond committee. Mia had been years of attending mm-hmm. meetings and learning about the district. When she ran for the school board, she knew what she was talking about. Mm-hmm. She had been mm-hmm. part of it. So, and that's what you want. You want people engaged and they don't have to be on the school board to be engaged. Uh, there are districts out there like HEB is a great example, who has an academy for people who want to know about school district stuff. And they can go to school and be taught how the, how, how the budgets work, mm-hmm. how a lot of things work. And they have a, a pool of great candidates there for people who could step up, step up and serve. So I think what you're really asking for, the more experience, the better, and the better you communicate that to the voters and to the public. This is what you get. It's like, I had a guy run against me 10 years ago, and he was, he's a great guy. He had all these good ideas. And all I could say was done that, done that, done that. And if, 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 if the voters want somebody who's been there and done that and has the experience, then I'm your logical choice because this other guy's got all these great intentions, but I have all these connections around the state and nationally. To make to affect change, positive things for my district, and I'm and, I'm wanting to to serve. So, some people have better qualifications; they typically get the job.
1: Well, that's very good. I appreciate that. I think the experience uh, to me, experience matters. I think that's kind of what we're saying is that that ex- experience and connections matter. Exactly. Those willing to exactly. do the work, working as a team, team player. I think um, I love that. I, I love also. idea and the conversation I like to always ask our guests about the idea of governance versus leadership and you you kind of cemented that right in the beginning of the podcast about um, that we alone are nothing but when we work together we're governing that district and so you kind of hit all my my favorite points in that and so um, thank you Charles for being with us today we'll have to have you come on again and talk I would love to talk more about Um, over the years how things can change on the board and different I mean I think there's so many things that we didn't get to today that I want to maybe bring you back on again in a few months if that's okay
0: say the word awesome thank you yes that that would be so great to have you back on Charles it's always great visiting with you and hearing hearing your perspective on different um, different things around public education and uh, you as well Corinne and before we close out just want to give a shout out to our sponsor, Ideal Impact. Ideal Impact is making an impact in schools and ministries by giving funding, unrestricted funding, using technology. So they're actually producing additional sources of revenue through energy savings. Um, Maybe the only positive cash flow program out there right now for schools related to energy. And it doesn't cost schools one penny to receive. So if your school needs funding, reach out to I do impact. And if you have any doubts at all, they have over 164 references to school districts in Texas and over 700 ministries. So um, if you need funding, definitely reach out to I do impact. And for those of you all that have been tuning in, stay tuned for future episodes of the educational leadership podcast.